Hey, I'm Amar Chauhan. And I'm Charlotte Williams. Thanks for tuning in to Love, Hate, Create. We speak to the smartest people from across the advertising industry to find out what they love about it, what they hate, and what change they want to create. So today we have Kwame Taylor Hayford. Kwame is the co-founder of Kin. Kin is a creative company designed to advance social change through culture. Prior to that, he was the MD of Brand Chobani, who were most famous for their Greek yogurt, or yogurt, as they would say in the US. And prior to that, he's worked at a number of high-profile agencies, the likes of Saatchi and Saatchi, TBWA, Sidley, and also Anomaly. He's also the co-founder of Saturday Morning, which uses creativity to generate ideas that bring awareness on racial bias and injustice. And if he wasn't busy enough, he is also the co-owner of a premium fashion boutique. Kwame, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me. Total pleasure to spend some time with you and Charlotte. Hi, Kwame. So I don't really know where to start. You've got so many gigs on the go. Um, but I guess just, just my first icebreaker question for you is 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 kin probably being your main um pursuit at the moment can you just tell us a little bit about that and what you're trying to do differently there happy to happy to and yeah kin is absolutely my main hustle as i like to describe it it's something i'm hugely passionate about and to be honest very excited uh about building with my incredible co-founder sophia zu we both grew up in advertising and have really enjoyed our, our careers, but felt there was a need and there was an opportunity really for us to build a creative company that was more a reflection of who we are and one that could bring kind of our values um, forward and also uh, create a space for a different sort of expression. Um, we want to help brands not just think about their values, but also uh, lean into those values to create more impact and not just impact with the creative work that they do and the messaging that they put out, but, you know, real impact on the issues of our time, because we think brands really have that responsibility today, given the little that governments seem to be able to do uh, and um, with the lack of resources and sort of scale that a lot of uh, NGOs have, it feels like there's a big, big, big opportunity for brands who are incredibly powerful in, in our society today to lean in and to to make some change happen. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's a lot of stats, aren't there, around businesses being almost more accountable than, or, or consumers see them as being, having more impact than, than governments now. So it's, it's definitely the time. Um, and tell us, very quickly then, what what has been your proudest career moment to date? Um, and then what has been your lowest point, would you say? I'll I'll start with the low and then with the high. How about that? So I think the lowest point for me was probably close to the middle of my career when I was in an incredible role and I had uh, a wonderful opportunity. I was working at Anomaly. I was leading a team. It was an incredible, thriving, sort of dynamic, energetic uh, agency. Uh, 
and um and and as incredible as the context was and as the agency was and we had really great clients and work i really found that i struggled with being able to be as confident and as vocal as i needed to be in certain settings in certain contexts when it came to you know advocating for what i knew was right you know and and i think back to that that time and i was you know in my late 20s kind of coming into my self and into my confidence and um and i feel i was probably just a step behind the responsibility that i was given to to lead uh, in in that situation so that's probably the lowest point i ended up you know totally burning out and sort of leaving that 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 gig and spending a, a good amount of time really reflecting on what i wanted for myself and what i wanted for my career and it was shortly after that that i had my first attempt at starting a company and and i spent two years building a creative collective and i had a lot of fun i, I worked on some really interesting projects and you know won some awards and and uh, had a great time working with close friends but the business wasn't viable and i ended up in a situation where i was actually in quite a bit of debt and didn't have a clear path to grow and to um, sustain uh, that that venture. So I ended up shutting it down mm-hmm. and took a lot of valuable lessons from that experience and applied them to um, the the jobs that I was lucky to have after that. You know, I, I was able to join uh, Sid Lee, which at the time was a startup agency in New York. And we, as a leadership team, successfully grew that and opened an office in LA. And I think that was very confidence building. And then shortly after that, I, I went to Chibani where I had my first uh, brand side adventure and learned so much. It was like getting a PhD in, in what we do, you know, just having that um, client side perspective and, and experience. Uh, and here I am today uh, building Kit, which I would argue is a, a very, very, very proud moment. And I'm grateful for the success and the traction that we have with this new approach uh, that we are trying to um, make, I guess, more um, common in, in, in advertising. I, I would consider that a super proud moment because it was not maybe the most obvious path. When I was at the tail end of my time at Chibani, I was definitely approached with you know a few opportunities to go to other brands or to go back to an agency but there was something that felt right about venturing out on my own and trying to to build something, you know? And and so I, um, yeah, I'm really proud that I sort of listened to that instinct and, and took the leap and uh, started with, you know, literally just that aspiration. We, we had no name, we had no clients. Um, I had my, you know, fortunately co-founder and, and we both uh, believe a lot in, in what we might be able to, to do. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we got on that path and, and made a go of it. What was the catalyst, would you say, that made you take the leap? We, we have a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners like yourself on the podcast, and it's always fascinating to know what that moment was when they went, okay, I've got to go and actually build something of my own rather than go and build someone else's or go and build a brand. What was that? 
I think there were a few moments. So I remember one specific moment when I was at Chobani and during my time there, I feel really lucky. I was able to spend some some time with Hamdi, the founder of Chobani, and just hearing him talk about his experience and his journey and seeing him lead this incredible company and um, nurture this very live and active culture. I, um, I was really inspired, you know, and I felt like maybe there was a path that was uh, similar and, and not similar as in I'm going to go build a yoga company, but similar as in I'm going to trust my instincts and believe in what I feel and and what I think is is the right next step for me. And even though there was a lot of uncertainty, certainly when we first started out with Kin, it always felt kind of very organic and felt right. So that's probably one moment. It's just those conversations or that time spent with Hamdi. I think the next moment was me not feeling like there was a perfect fit in terms of a role or a company to go to. Um, there, there wasn't an obvious sort of next step after Chobani and, and there were certainly some really great opportunities and I think there are amazing agencies out there. This is definitely not a knock on, on any agencies. It's just for that point in my life and for that moment in time, I, I was having a really hard time uh, connecting with any of the, you know, the opportunities that were sort of coming my way. And maybe the third thing was just being on the journey with Chobani and having, you know, a, a lot of very positive things happen because of the team we were able to pull together and the work that we were able to put out. Um, yeah, I felt, I felt good about maybe taking the risk and it not working out. I felt like if that did happen, there was always an option for me to go work somewhere else. And it may not be at yeah. the best agency, it may not be at the best company, but I, I, I thought I'd had enough experience that the worst outcome would be, yeah, maybe taking a role at a company that I, you know, again, maybe wasn't the best or maybe wasn't the most exciting, but I, I, I didn't think I would be unemployable. So I, I feel that helped me sort of settle my nerves a little bit and just, you know, commit to going for it. That's good advice for anyone, I think, at the moment, especially at the moment. Like, feel the fear, do it anyway, and hopefully, if it all goes wrong, you've always, you can always find something else, right? I, I love it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and to be honest, I also think it's just a bit of the mindset that I grew up with. You know, it's like we're not, we're not above anything, we're not beneath anything. Um, if I had to go work the counter at McDonald's, I would do that because that's, you know, good, decent work and it would help me pay my bills. So in a way, I'm not super married to any specific way of being. I just know that I'm willing to hustle and work hard for the things that I want, you know, and if that means going back and starting at the beginning, then that's what it means. And no regrets. Yeah, none. Yeah, yeah. so often it's about not wanting to get to the latter stages of your career or even at the end of your career and look back and think damn I should have actually gone and built something of my own because the last decade or two decades has not really been that enjoyable so yeah good on you and and I hope it's uh it's a successful one I uh I hope so too 
You know, I heard this from someone much older than me, and they were telling me a little bit about their career. They didn't work in advertising or anything, but it, it was more, you know, they regretted the things that they didn't do a lot more than the things that they did. And and it was kind of that simple, you know, it's it's give it a shot. You know, the worst case scenario is it doesn't work out. You learn something about yourself and you move on, you know, and I think the key to me is don't let it break your spirit. Because I think once that happens, then it's very tough to recover. We'd just like to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors. Massive Music is a global music agency and partner for some of the world's leading brands and agencies. With 10 offices worldwide and over two decades of expertise, they deliver everything you need in the field of music, voice and sound. From sonic branding and activations to music for commercials and licensing. Just to name a few, Massive Music works with clients such as Nike, Heineken, The North Face, Philips and Colgate. They also provided the music for this very podcast. On top of being a lovely bunch, they're an official sound partner for brands on TikTok. And since 2021, they're part of Song Trader, the world's largest B2B music company. Their ultimate goal is to combine musical craft with strategy to elevate your project or campaign through the power of music and sound, which, if you ask us, is oh so needed in the advertising world of today. If you're interested, send an email to lovehatecreate at massivemusic.com so they know you came through us. Needless to say, they're all ears. So... With such a varied career so far, you've worked at all kinds of agencies and you've done uh, a really important and meaningful stint client side, and now you run your own shop. Tell us what you love about the advertising industry. I think my absolute favorite thing about this industry is the people we get to create with. I I, I think it, it's in my opinion very rare that you find this many people with different backgrounds and skill sets and perspectives kind of pull to pull together and you know provided a, a canvas to collaborate and to you know create together and definitely a lot more work needs to be done to make advertising more inviting and more accepting of people who are, you know, very different. I, I think the industry over, you know, many years has gotten a bit homogenous in terms of who's a part of it. And and I mean that, you know, racially and in terms of social economic status and, and there's so many sort of dimensions, you know, but but I feel there's an opportunity for this industry to open up even more. And I, I so at first hand, thinking about, you know, when I came into the industry and digital was all the rage, you know, and that's how I built my career was really from that perspective. I, I, I love that we were able to sit in the room with user experience people and developers and, you know, talk about and come up with these incredible new ways to communicate and to engage and to build brands. And it was a ton of fun. You know, we, we made a lot of mistakes and, and, but we also, you know, just invented a lot of what is now so common today that people can't imagine living without it. And to me, that's that's really cool. Yeah, sort of diversity 
of people, but also being a creative is such a broad term, isn't it? It it's like it's products, it's process, it's it's all those different aspect design things that connect. Is that what you're talking about as well? The sort of hundred percent, yeah, yeah, and it's it's um, you know, yes, it's a TV spot. And yes, it's a beautiful piece of out of home, but it's also exactly what you said. You know, it's very interesting product innovations. It's, you know, experiences that you can walk into and touch and feel. It's, it's for me, the ability that we have to invent the future. That is the most exciting thing about being in this business and, and having the resources and scale of brands uh, at our fingertips because if we are able to channel that and put that out there in an impactful way like we we are literally creating you know change and we're creating opportunity and we're creating uh the world that we want to see yeah it's a it's a melting pot isn't it of relatively eclectic people coming together could be more eclectic and, and, and slightly more diverse of course we know there's room for improvement there but if I was to have had an epiphany having started this podcast about this industry that I probably shouldn't have even forgotten about is that actually it's really fun there's not much out there that's like it you get to be creative and yes it's a billboard or it's a tv spot but you can do so much with it and getting there is pretty fun and yeah there's not much like it else in terms of other professions and we definitely have forgotten that so i think yeah remembering how how fun that can be and and uh, what it's like to work in is is a good thing yeah and those like virtuous loops i was listening to nick law actually earlier talking about speaking about this and it was so fascinating about you know now now you've got ideas mediums formats products it's kind of a golden age almost for creativity isn't it in terms of each one feeds into the other each one connects so do you think it's a do you think it's a really exciting time to be a creative yes is the simple answer to that um absolutely you know because i i think if you're someone who is you know curious it, it's in a way always an exciting time to be in a creative sort of industry and in creative business because there's so much that is changing always and um and and as long as you don't get complacent and as long as you don't get too comfortable this is always going to be the most exciting um context to exist in you know in, in in creative industry where you have the levers of business but you have all these amazing channels into what makes you know us connect to what we have in common you know and, and for me that's just what's in the culture you know it's like how do we take that and how do we use that to um further our human connection and further our um yeah our dreams and our desires i, I just think there's there's something quite fun about being in at the intersection of that things we're talking about people and that's what you love most about this industry how easy or how difficult has it been for you since you founded kin to get the right people get the right talent into your business creatively because 
I hear a lot about the fact that there's a bit of a crisis there. What's your view on it as a business leader then? Um, so I'll answer this question twofold because it's actually something I think about a lot. Um, I think it's been challenging because it has forced us to think a lot differently and to operate a lot differently than we have, you know, most of our careers. And, and I say that because if you go to the standard, obvious, comfortable places, you're going to find exactly what you have found for the last 20, 30, 40 years, you know? And I think that is in a way, uh, and I'll be super transparent here, how we started out, you know, uh, my co-founder, Sophie and I have been in the business, you know, close to 20 years. We've met and worked with so many amazing and talented people. So when we first got going, it was almost like a reflex for us to go back into our network and to just hit up the people that we know and that we enjoy working with and bring them to the table and start making some, you know, awesome work. And, and we did that, you know, for the first few, few months and with a lot of success, you know, we put out some really good work for MailChimp and a few other clients that we were working with. Um, but then, uh, George Floyd happened, you know, and, um, here I was at a brand new agency. We had at the time seven people on board, uh, and I was the only black person. And it was definitely, you know, one of those moments where I looked in the mirror and said, well, what, what are we doing? <laughs> we a had, white cup. seriously. You know, we had a hugely diverse team. You know, we were majority women, majority international, um, but it was clear there was still work to be done. So, um, Sophia and I made the commitment that we weren't going to ever have that situation again. And, you know, three years on, we haven't. We've been able to um, attract and maintain an incredibly eclectic and diverse crew um, really proud of where we are in terms of our representation of, of black people, of, um, uh, LGBTQ people, of, you know, people that haven't fit the mold in traditional advertising, you know, and we did that because we became very intentional about where we sought out talent and how we, uh, built the community of, of people that's around kin. Um, and, and so, you know, to my point earlier, you really have to rethink how you approach talent. You know, you can't just look in the industry. You can't just look at um, portfolio schools. You can't just look at, um, you know, competing agencies. We've we've made a real effort to look at adjacent adjacent fields, you know. Like, Where did you look? Or is that a classified secret? It, it's, hey, it's totally not classified. You know, like we've looked and brought people in from the world of publishing, from the world of entertainment, from museums. Um, we, um, are, are really, really big on spending time with, uh, sort of, um, schools or, um, there's some incredible programs and organizations. There's, you know, scope of work, uh, a, a great nonprofit in New York that we've collaborated with on helping us find and, and connect talent. Uh, I'm on the board at DNAD. They have shift, which is an incredible program. We've brought in a few shift alum to, to collaborate with us. I, I just think it's, you have to, you have to just get a bit uncomfortable and um and try to work outside of the traditional sort of ecosystem of advertising in order to achieve some of the yeah the the diversity that you want 
Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's just going to become more and more of a a thing, isn't it? As as young people switch off advertising, to be honest, you know, it, it it's not necessarily the most appealing career for a lot of people. So it's almost like you have to go to those different places to to try and unearth interesting new people, right? It, you're getting into what I hate about the industry. And so, all right, let's come to that then. <laughs> let's let that a very smooth segue. What do you hate about the industry, Kwame? It's funny because for an industry that's so on the cutting edge and on the bleeding edge of what we do in its best, you know, uh, manifestation. Or we uh, like to think we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're really, really, really bad at change. You know, I just think it's, and and I'll I'll go back a couple of years. I like I you know my formative time and or my early time in advertising was at the advent of digital and social media, and I remember a lot of consternation, a lot of hesitation, if you will, to embrace that as a new medium that would allow for a lot of what we all again live today, and that is very commonplace. You know, I, I think <clears throat> that was a big sort of, uh, you know, struggle for a while. And then obviously the tide turned on the internet and on social media, and then everybody had to get on board because if you didn't, you were done. So I, I think we're, we're going through that now um, in a few different ways, right? Just how we do business and how we operate. There's a lot of conversation about the AOR and retainers and project-based and you know, how brands can engage with uh, agencies. There's obviously a huge conversation about talent, you know, and, and how we're going to evolve to meet the needs of marketers of the future and, and create cultures that will attract and retain um, world-class talent. Because we're not just competing amongst ourselves, we're competing with Netflix and Apple and all these incredible companies. Uh, we've got to be able to have uh, an advantage in how quickly we can move and how incredibly, you know, fun it is to work at an agency and respect things like people's, you know, working hours and, you know, time off and, you know, pay them right. And I mean, these are all very active conversations, but I feel we're not moving as an industry, um, maybe as quickly as we could to, to make sure that change is happening and that we're able to stay competitive, you know, when it comes to attracting and retaining the right talent. So, um, I mean, I could go on, there's so many things, but, uh, but I, but I think change is really a bit of, you know, an enemy of our own making. And I think it's something that probably many in the industry, and I'll put myself in that bucket, you know, the things about our young company that we need to change and that we should embrace with a lot more, um, priority to, to, to make sure that we can get to what we want, um, in the future. What would you say is the the biggest burning platform then? If if you were to tell business leaders this is the <clears> one change you need to really think about, like this is the one that you're going to have to prioritize, what would you say it is? Oof, this is a big question. <sighs> you know, I, I think in the wake of... COVID and in the wake of 
a lot of what we've seen um, sort of as a shift in the world in terms of how consumers engage with brands. I think probably the biggest one, if I were, you know, a marketer or if I were thinking, you know, with my brand side hat on is, is, is the, is, is how are you facilitating a really rich conversation with your audience? You know, it's, and it's not a, it's not a transactional one. It's, it's gotta be bigger than that because I, I think, and, and this gets a little bit into how we approach uh, work at Ken. It's, you know, your brand has to stand for something more than just the product that you make, you know? And, and I think you being able to facilitate a dialogue or a connection, you know, even if you're a brand that's sold in a mediated context, you know, which obviously a lot of brands are through big retailers and Amazon and, and whatnot, um, you still need a way to talk to and know your audience, you know? And, and I think if you're able to, to figure that out and to figure out that sort of back and forth, like that's what's going to secure your future because you'll be able to, you know, mine insights and you'll be able to um, evolve and go into adjacent spheres if you need to. Um, I just think it's, it's so critical, you know, like the, the piping, the plumbing exists now for brands to take advantage of that. And, and I don't think enough do. That is interesting. And I guess even more, I guess, important given the, the third party data cookies, all of that coming up. Are, are you sort of referring to that as well about the change in? 100%, 100%. It's, it's going to be massive, you know, and I think there are brands that I would love to hear from. There are brands I want nothing to do with, you know, and, and I think <clears throat> consumers now are much more aware of how much control they have of their data and of their, you know, footprint, if you will. Um, and I, and I think those walled gardens are going to come up pretty quick, you know, and very few brands will be let in and the ones that are let in need to prove their value in order to stay. There has to be a value exchange, doesn't there? There has to be, you have to be getting something back that you care about and want. Big time. And, and there also has to be patience, right? Like <clears throat> I was, I've, I was reading about, um, this incredible fashion, uh, brand here called Telfar and it's amazing the community and the passion that that community has for that brand, you know, and a, a lot of it has to do with them subverting the traditional codes of fashion and of luxury. And, you know, their, their stuff isn't super expensive and they really value the consumers that supported them from day one and they give them, you know, elevated access to the brand because of their loyalty. They're thinking really in my opinion, intelligently about how they manifest their brand, you know, instead of selling through third parties, they're going all sort of own channels and they're doing things like creating their own, um, streaming platform for content, you know, that you subscribe to and that you're a little bit more leaned in on versus pumping things out through, you know, Facebook and Instagram. And I don't know, I think, I think there's something cool about rethinking a lot of how that has happened historically. Um, and having the patience and really investing in yourself and, you know, building from that perspective. And purpose doesn't have to be 
like, it doesn't necessarily have to be about like saving the planet or some other noble cause, right? You you talk about facilitating a rich conversation and knowing why you exist in the world. There's there's almost a, a negativity attached to the word purpose now, right? It's a dirty. It's become a dirty word. You've got the giant like Unilever kind of rowing back a little bit or changing course having prioritized purpose for so long. So just before we move on to the next question, what what's purpose mean to, to you then at Kin and for your clients? Um I think it's actually very simple. Um and purpose for us, for me, means knowing who you are, acting in alignment with that, and figuring out how you can stand for something bigger and better in the world you know and i think i think the rollback on purpose for me feels right because i do think there's been a lot of virtue signaling and purpose washing woke washing um there's been not a true commitment to substance and moving the needle on the real sort of issues underpinning the flashy headlines that we see. Um, and I think the people that are really committed to that work are walking away from it, you know, but in a way, I think that's okay. You know, I think, I think the people that really are, are invested and are committed and want to see and create change, they were never in it for the headlines anyway. So they're continuing down that path. And I think in the long run, they'll be rewarded with the loyalty of, you know, young millennials and Gen Z who believe these values and don't mm. care about headlines in a way, you know, like they're they, doing it they, quietly, studiously and, and carefully. Yes. You know, and, and, and yeah, and very intentionally. And I think, um, yeah. that's what we are excited about. That's the approach that we take at Ken. I think it's, you know, important to be able to figure out how to build these platforms, how to establish and nurture and grow them. Um, and then, yeah, of course, we work with brands, right? And they have brand health metrics that they need to be, you know, looking after and, and we help support that, you know, of course. But, but we also want to make sure that the communities that we're looking to center, the issues that we're looking to attack we want to make sure there's meaningful progress on those because without that, it's 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 a bit moot. Yeah, it's back to your point about brands having the the power and the ability to to drive the change because our established governmental institutions are just taking too long or are too busy doing politics, right? We'll we'll, we'll say they're too busy. Ha! <laughs> exactly. So with a with an eye on the future, we know there's things that need to be fixed, but we know there's a lot of reasons to be positive what would you create then and that could be a new way of working a new model a change what would you do in order to ensure that the next decade let's say is just as good if not better as the the previous few decades the heyday of advertising let's say i think here i'm placing a massive bet on myself and what we're building at ken i i I'm hopeful that we are getting a few things right. You know, first and foremost, that we are building a 
space and a culture that is, you know, open and inviting and, um, and that is prioritizing the things we know are essential for creative people to do their best work, you know, and it's, it's a, a space where, uh, failure is a requirement, you know, you've got to come in and you have to fail every day and come back the next day and do it again and not lose any enthusiasm in that process. You know, we have to make sure that we're respectful of people's lives and that we are figuring out ways of working and we are uh, allowing for, you know, healthy amounts of time off and time to disengage and connect. And um, it, it feels really important um, that we're paying people well, you know, um, so that they can look after their lives and when they come to work, not have to deal with that stress. And and these are all things that we've been actively doing since we started the company, you know, and Sophie and I are really proud of that. Um, I think the clients that we curate and, and that we choose to work with, we talk often about emerging clients and established clients. And I do think it's a, it's a balance of both, right? Like you have some clients who are, I would put more in that emerging category who are purpose born and built and have these tenants that are a part of their core. And, and of course it's great to work with those companies like a Ben and Jerry's, you know, who's a, a client of ours, but, um, but they're also companies, you know, big companies, probably, you know, older companies that have incredible ambitions in that area, but need a little bit of help just figuring it out and getting on the path or, or maybe they're already doing some of the work, but they need to accelerate that work. And, you know, we work with Delta airlines and they've been around forever and, they believe so deeply in this work and they're doing a lot, you know, from a program um, and from a people standpoint within their walls to, uh, to elevate, you know, what they believe in sustainability or in equity and inclusion. And, and so we're helping them uh, on, on that journey. And we're equally excited about what we get to do with, with both of those brands, you know? Um, yeah. I think maybe the last thing I'll say is I, I feel our, our hope for Kin is that we are not just, you know, making um, advertising and making sort of uh, impact, but also driving uh, culture, you know, and connecting to, to a lot of the conversations that we know are a part of the fabric of our lives, you know, be them in entertainment or in art or in music. And I think for us, that's, that's a little bit of the future. That's, that's how we can ensure that this work, this, you know, purposeful work, uh, uh, Amar, as you said, is it's not just earnest and it's not, you know, it's not, it's not so big and lofty as save the world, but it's really connected to the things that people care about and that they live with every day, you know? And so it becomes a bit, you know, in the, in the, in the foundation of, of, of our, our communities. Yeah. While building brand and hopefully shifting some product for the client as well, right? It, it can do both. It can, it, exactly. It can do both. It can do both. And how, how close would you say you are to achieving that kind of work? What, what, what do you think you need to do in order to get there if you're not already? So I'm proud to say we are already doing it. You know, I think about uh, Bloom Season, which is a, a digital magazine that we developed for MailChimp. It launched last year. We're currently working on the second edition. We're really proud of that. Um, Faces of Travel, you know, is a commitment that we launched with Delta Airlines, uh, partnering them with Adobe to attack the issue of representation and travel. Um, that's currently in its second uh, iteration that will be launching uh, in, uh, in the spring. 
So I, I feel like we're we're definitely on that track and we're really proud of it. Our hope is that we're able to continue to build and establish these enduring ideas and these enduring uh, platforms that, to your point, deliver, of course, business impact, but also, you know, real impact in the world. The sweet spot. That is that, the dream. Silver bullet. Is, that's the dream. Um, so quite, thank you so much for your all your brilliant answers. Um, our final question to you, really, and you, and you did allude to this a little bit earlier, but where do you think we will be in 10 years from here in our industry, not generally in the world? Where, where, where do you see this industry being? Where do you hope that we'll be in 10 years? I, I, when you're I'm still a young sure. man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'll be in the metaverse, Charlotte. We'll have... Oh, great. Know, I can't wait on and you know we'll be at a barbecue with mark zuckerberg it'll be awesome <laughs> um, it's it's such a great question you know and and you know who knows is the real answer i just think the pace of innovation with technology and and also just the pace of change in our, our culture like who could have predicted covid in 2019 you know i still remember um saying to the team, oh yeah, I think we'll be home for two weeks and, and we'll be back at, at, at the office, you know? And here we are three years later, <laughs> not an office in sight. So I, I, I don't know, I think it's, it's hard to predict, but I, I do hope the industry gets better at embracing change. And I do hope that we're able to continue to be an exciting place for young and old talent, you know? And, and I, I just think it's, the industry has to work at both those levels. It can't be all about who's emerging and who's coming in and it, and forget about, um, you know, the veterans who know about building and sustaining brands, you know, and can transfer some of that um, experience and perspective. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably my biggest hope for the industry is that it's still a eclectic, dynamic, exciting place for talent to come and realize their creative ambitions because i think if we are able to keep that this industry is going to continue to thrive and grow and and if we're not able to keep that we will definitely all be at home on our vr goggles watching the world go by with mark zuckerberg with mark probably sounds hellish that's great what a a great note to end on not mark zuckerberg but you'll <laughs> I, I'm convinced he's an awesome human, you know? I just think a few things got away from him. <laughs> well, Kwame, thank you so much for joining us. It's been fantastic. And you even managed to get a yogurt pun in one of your answers, which you caught, you caught down very impressive. I, I caught it. I was very entertained. I miss it. I miss that, I'm afraid. Live and active culture whilst working oh. at Shivani. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, that was fantastic. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, we bid you the best of luck with Ken and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned uh, into your progress. Thanks so much for having me. It was a total pleasure to, to talk with you both. And, um, and yeah, this was, this was fun. I'm going to listen to all the episodes once this, this drops. 